welcome to Solving for the Undefined podcast. I'm your host, Johanna, founder of Miss Kuiper's Classroom, the place that equips teachers in creating a healthy math classroom where students can thrive, no matter their academic abilities. But it's not always about the numbers, and that's why I'm here, bringing you the formulas to solve your problems, math and otherwise, plus strategies on cultivating that necessary math mindset. And that's what you can count on. All right. Hello. Hello. Welcome to a brand new episode. Today we are joined by Cassandra and we're going to be sharing all about assessments. Welcome. Hey, Johanna. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Good. Will you go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself? Yes. Um, My name's Cassandra Harris. I currently teach middle and high school. Um, I'm at one of those really small schools. It's a K-12 school, so I teach eighth grade math and ninth grade geometry. Um, And so my education story is a little odd because I had never planned to be a teacher. Me neither. In high school, I said I will never be a teacher. Wow, how the tables have turned. Uh, Yes, they sure have. It just kind of uh, worked out that I actually started in engineering and uh, realized that that was not for me. And so I switched my degree to math um, and I started in the finance industry. That didn't work out. And I was a few months from getting married and I was offered a position uh, to teach at a private school. And so I taught there. And then went to another private school for a couple of years, got my master's, and then I'm currently still at the same school that I actually graduated from. Wow. Seven years. That's so cool. Are any of the teachers that you had still working there? Yes, they are. There's a couple of them have retired since I've started, but I still, there's another math teacher that I actually had in high school that still teaches there. That's so crazy. He's the one that really recommended me for the job. Nice. That's awesome. Oh, I love that. So talking, thinking about today's topic of our episode, you started in a non-education field, moved into the education realm. And so through that, what sparked your passion for assessments? My passion for assessments is kind of an odd take on how it started, um, I started with my grade book. As weird as that sounds, um, I keep a Google Sheets backup copy of my grade book. And I started like tracking like absences and then kids who um, were making, you know, failing grades and then kids that were making zeros. And then I started also attending uh, trainings on state assessments and I was looking at um, how those were graded and types of questions that were actually asked on the exam. And I wanted uh, to make sure that my assessments would prepare my students for those exams, um, given like a variety of types of questions, like, you know, your short answer, your fill in the blank, your multi-select, kind of your drag and drop. And so that really piqued my interest is really uh, preparing kids Um, to feel comfortable um, when the state test came. Um, And so I um, also, when I um, was looking at the scores, I like to uh, look at their individual uh, rankings that they get 
that they get from the state assessment. So they, the first year we did, we do a state test. And so we got a one page document for each student. And it was like, they gave you their score and then they gave you different categories, like number and operations, proportional reasoning, geometry, and then statistics and probability. And they told you if they were like, wait, like on grade level, on track and behind. And so like, I took that information and I actually put each one of my students information in a spreadsheet so that I could like see it all in one place. And it just makes a huge difference for me in the planning world. And that really like pushes me to help meet my students' needs. I love that. I, I'm i a huge data nerd. And so I love like all like the pie graphs and different showings of student data. And so it'd be so cool to get all that information and make it more of a visual way. Cause like you said, if you have one page per student, it's kind of hard to see an overview, especially with all the information you're getting for it. So I love that you put it into like a spreadsheet so you can see like overall data for planning purposes. So moving into kind of how teachers can work with assessments in the classroom, can you tell us a little bit about the different types of assessments? Yes, these are just some that I use for my classroom. Um, I use exit tickets and for me, I use uh, paper exit tickets And I usually only put about three questions on there just so they're quick and easy to grade and collect data on. Also do formative assessments, you know, being a math teacher, whiteboards are like the easiest thing to do a really quick, quick check on understanding. Um, And it's really easy to collect data because you can quickly see who has it and who doesn't have it. Also do um, quizzes, which are many, I call those mini summative assessments because they don't test on quite as much information and they usually um, don't focus on as many topics on those as well. And then, of course, your summative assessment, which is your unit assessment where you have multiple topics um, kind of in one exam. Nice. And question about the summative assessment, because I've heard different schools have thought on them. On a summative assessment, are you just having material from the most recent unit or are you also pulling questions from topics that you covered in previous units? I have thought about pulling topics from previous units and I think moving forward, that's something I would like to do like spiral review tests. But currently, I only use what we are currently on in our units. Gotcha. I think that is an actual, that's a great idea to pull, you know, just a couple of questions and you can even label it, you know, recall questions. I've, I've never thought about labeling it recall questions. That's kind of cool. I like that idea. Kind of showing like the breakup of two different subjects. So that way kids know new, something we've already learned in the past. Nice. So thinking about all of those different type assessments, the exit tickets, the formative, the quizzes, and then the summative, how are these beneficial to understanding where students are in their learning? Um, They just give you an overall view of what your students can do in different types of situations um, and when they're asked a different amount of topics. Because, I mean, I think you'll agree that just on any given test day, a kid's going to perform differently. Like a summative, I have kids that get really bad test anxiety for like a summative test. And so they don't do as well. 
But if you give them like an exit ticket where they just feel like, oh, okay, she's just wanting to see what I know and turning that in, you kind of have more of an understanding of what they can do as well. Just having that variety really gives you a, a better view of what your students know and understand. And it allows you to uh, modify how you approach teaching the next topic or how what you're going to teach the next day. So they're kind of like mini snapshots of students in that time frame. And I like what you said about having the variety of things, the variety of assessments, because students who have that test anxiety maybe don't feel as anxious during a exit ticket or even a formative, because like you said, and I loved it, whiteboards, doing something on a whiteboard always seems to kind of give students that relief that they need in order to feel comfortable to try something that they might not normally try. And so I love that you have that variety. So when would you give these different types of assessments or how often would you give them? Okay, so for like a um, exit ticket, um, I usually do those um, maybe once, once or twice a week. It just kind of depends on how many topics that we've covered um, during that week. Um, formative or whiteboards is pretty much just about every single day. Um, I feel like that just gives you know, a quick snapshot. You don't have to record the data every time, but it just gives you a quick snapshot of, hey, I need this. There, There's a lot of students that do not understand this part of the, of the topic, and so I need to go back and readdress this. And then quizzes I usually give once a week, and then um, summative, of course, is at the end of a unit, and it really depends on the length of the unit, three to four weeks. So some of our units have 10, 10 lessons in them, so... They take a while to cover. Yeah, that would be a lot. And do you find giving like an exit ticket? I already forgot what you said. How often do you give exit tickets? Usually once a week. Okay. So giving like or taking formative every day or the exit ticket or the quizzes once a week. Do you feel like all of that data kind of gives a good picture of how students will do on a summative assessment? I do. I feel like it really, it has at least, usually within, um, I would say around 10 points or so on their average. That's usually a pretty good snapshot. And if you want me to, I'll also go over how I score those because it might be a little different from what most teachers do. I'd love to hear that. Okay, so I record these a little different. I don't do a numerical grade. I know that's the traditional way of grading. I do what's called um, a proficiency scale, and that is based off of student understanding of a topic or standard. And so I usually rate this as a zero, a one, a two, or a three. And so a score of zero uh, means even with help, there's no demonstration of understanding of a topic. A score of one, this is basic recall and can show some understanding with help. A score of two can complete part of a topic, show some understanding without much help. And then a score of three would be mastery of the topic or standard with little to no errors or guidance. That's awesome. Uh, our school also uses a proficiency scale, but we do one through four. But one, and this is something that we've all created on our own. We've had to go through our standards and kind of map out on our own with our data teams of 
what's a one look like versus a four? And we always get stuck on like the partial differentiation between like a two and a three, or I guess in your case, like a one and a two. And I like that you add uh, for like a, I think you said a one has basic recall with help. And I love that piece because some kids can get it with just a little bit of help, but it still shows like the lack of independent thought sometimes. But I love that piece. I've never thought about adding it. Um, Yes. And I actually have a great resource that you would love to use where you could find help for this as well. I'd love to hear about it. Okay. So I use, it's called Amstaff. It's Alabama Mathematics Teachers and Science Initiative. I think that's the acronym for it. Anyways, they have a whole thing on proficiency skills um, for every grade level in math. And I know my state standards may be a little different from yours. They actually have a breakdown of um, what we call critical standards. So these are the main things that build from year to year. And they also have proficiency scales and what a level one is, a level 1.5, 2, 2.53. And they do go to four. Um, I typically just do one to three just because it's easier for me to grade. Four, I would be the, if I put a kid in a four, that's the kids that I need to kind of push to the next kind of grade level of that standard, what it builds to. If I was to, if I thought, well, this kid's got it, I've got to go ahead and push them to the next standard. That's awesome. I'm definitely going to have to check it out because that sounds like exactly what we need to like guide us further in working on our proficiency scales. Thank you. No problem. I'm interrupting today's episode to ask you a vital question. Do you have the tools in your classroom for student success? Well, wonder no more because I have a way for you to check your work. My new guide, Seven Math Teacher Must-Haves for Student Success, has the top seven items you need in your classroom. From classroom staples to manipulatives that are often missed, this checklist will ensure that your students have a successful school year. Additionally, each item shows the best budget and splurge options. Download the Seven Math Teacher Must-Haves for Student Success after listening to today's episode by going to misskuypercom guide. Now that we have an understanding of how you grade, how do you record those student scores? Okay, so I have, of course, a spreadsheet. Um, um, It's like an assessment tracker. And so I usually do three types of assessments for each standard. Um, I feel like that gives me good amount of data. And one of those is an exit ticket. I have an option for an exit ticket and then a, a formative assessment. However, I give that. And then the other option could either be a quiz usually a quiz because I usually want to get a three pieces of information before the summative assessment, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And then if I want to add a fourth category, I could go in and add the summative assessment. Nice. And then when you put all of those scores into the spreadsheet, is their score an average of all of their numbers? Yeah. So what I do is I have um, a little box for each one and I do percentages. And so I put a percentage for level one, one percentage for level two and a percentage for level three. I look at that and that kind of helps drive my instruction. Okay, cool. They group students as well. Like if I want to group lot thinkers together, I can. Like kids that are struggling with the same topic, if I want to pull and do small group, I could do that. Or if I want to put them with a kid that's got it, that I know will do a good job helping explain something to them, I can group them that way as also. 
Nice. That's awesome. I, whenever I have like conversations with people in like the math education space, I my brain always is like having two trains of thought of like one trying to keep the podcast interview going, but also like how can I take this and apply it to my classroom? And so I'm always having like two lines of thought happening in my head during these types of conversations. So what is the benefit of using the proficiency scale and overall doing things this way? Um, Using this score, I can quickly recognize what level of understanding that my students have. And then this also allows me to modify the direction of my unit to meet my students' needs. It also helps me prepare for each unit when I have my state testing data organized. And then I know what aspects of each unit I need to spend more time on and embed strategies in my lessons to help students deepen their understanding of the math. That's awesome. I love the deepening your understanding of math because I think sometimes some curriculums or some teachers will kind of go over things at a very foundational or surface level. And those are the times where students are using that like short-term memory, that recall, and that mimicking rather than understanding it at a deeper level to be able to use it more flexibly and see like the interconnections between the math concepts too. So I love that you have that deepening understanding piece in there. That kind of brings me to last week we were, I had to do a mini lesson on Pythagorean theorem because I'm not going to have time to really cover it before we take our state state test. And so they got the answer and it was like the square root of 104. So then we had a discussion about what was the square root of 104 rational or irrational. So we had a discussion about, you know, what type of level question this was. And then I said, okay, what if we didn't have a calculator? How would we estimate this to the nearest tenth? And then we had a great discussion about perfect squares. And, you know, they were able to estimate it pretty close. And then I said, that's what they consider a level three question in the numbered operations without a calculator section. And they were just amazed. They're like, this is a level three question. I'm like, yes, it is. Nice. I bet that was such like a confidence booster for them. Oh, it was. They loved it. They just like, I thought, well, I'm going to take this moment and extend upon, you know, talking about square roots or irrational numbers. Oh, that would have been awesome to see. So kind of moving into the teacher's perspective on hearing this and maybe their doubt is this is too time consuming to do all of these different assessments score them based on their proficiency, and record the data. What would you say to that? Um, If you're more comfortable with giving a grade out of 100%, do whatever, you know, works for your classroom. Um, Also, it depends on how you set up your data tracking. I feel like it's, you should just start with one class because, you know, most high school teachers at least have over 100 kids a day, and that's a lot. So I would say pick one class. Um, and go from there, collect, and it's overwhelming to try to collect, you know, all that data over all of your students, and also I would, um, something I think that saves a lot of time is recording things digitally, if you can, like if you want to do really quick digital assessments, um, there's some tools that you could use, such as quizzes, you could give like an exit ticket there, or in Google Forms, um, and look at um, I have I use the free version, but I think if you do the paid version, there's a lot more options for you to kind of analyze what they've answered correctly and incorrectly. 
nice. And I will link all of those down in the description and show notes because I love quizzes. It is so much fun. I always get the music stuck in my head whenever we play it. So you can definitely find those in the description. And my kids also love quizzes also. Mm-hmm. I had my first experience with Blook It or yeah, Blook It this weekend or this past week. Uh, this is terrible of us, but as a staff, uh, we had conferences and the way we do conferences at in the evening is we all sit in the gym in like a giant circle and like parents and grownups can come to us. And the very first night we had probably five sets of grownups come the entire four hours we were there. And so in our our staff group chat, we we kept putting like codes for look at games and we were just playing book it's in between uh conferences and it was unprofessional but it was a lot of fun that sounds like it was a lot of fun and you could hear people around the room as soon as people were like sniping money from them like oh come on and it's just like totally silent everywhere else and just like random pop-ups of people like being like yes sir no how dare you oh it was a lot of fun sounds like y'all had a good time Yes, we did. (laughs) So how can teachers, kind of getting us back on track here, uh, how can teachers get started using these assessments and tracking data for their students? Yeah, first, I would start with one unit um, for you to try this, and then I would pick three assessments or three different types of assessments to track. You could choose a formative assessment, such as a whiteboard activity, exit ticket, a quiz, and then a unit test. And this will allow you to see where your students are and their understanding. You can also record these in any way, such as uh, percentages if you prefer, or as a proficiency scale option. Um, And if you're more of a paper person, you can write this down and keep track of it in a binder. Um, I prefer digital because it's easier for me to see the data and then I can quickly sort it and organize it as I need it. And then once you have your data, use this to help guide your instruction. The reason that I collect this data is so that I can better understand the needs of my students and I allow it to guide my instruction. So really a huge benefit of tracking the data from all of these different assessments not only gives you a snapshot of where students are at, but then you can utilize that data and inform your instruction to best meet the needs of your students. That's exactly. That's awesome. So what resources do you have available for us that we can use to start our journey in this way? Um, I actually have a free guide. It's um, simply organized with Cassandra.com slash free guide. Um, and that's just giving you some kind of intro to using Google Sheets to organize stuff. I give you some quick tips on how to like sort things, how to use the filter tool, Um, There's videos for each tip as well as kind of a step-by-step if you're more of a, you like to read the directions or instructions, and you can read those in about 15 minutes. And then if you would like more information on like proficiency scales because you're more interested in grading that way, um, online, AMSTA actually has a website. It's called, I have it here now, Alabama Math Science and Technology Initiative. And they also have so many other resources besides just proficiency skills. And also, um, teachers know their students to collect the information that you feel like would accurately represent their ability. Um, And I have found it that it also builds classroom community 
and your students usually will happily share information with you about what they don't know or understand. And you can also use Google to, uh, if you're not you know, familiar with different types of assessments, um, you know, Google different types of assessments that you can use in your classroom and then how to use these assessments. Awesome. We have a, a, a wealth of resources available to us. So thank you for sharing all of those. No problem. I'm glad I could share. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to share your expertise. I know I learned a lot and I'm excited to kind of implement some of these in my classroom for my students. So one question that I always ask as we kind of wrap up the episode is what is your favorite math related joke or pun? Okay, I actually have a shirt with this pun on it. It's parallel lines have so much in common. It's a shame they'll never meet. Oh my gosh. Yes. That would be an awesome shirt. Oh, I've worn it before when I taught systems of equations and my kids got a kick out of it. That is the perfect shirt for that. That is awesome. Oh, that's cool. And where can people find you to learn more? Um, I'm on Instagram um, at Simply Organized with Cassandra. Um, I also have a, um, if you're really interested in learning more about um, organizing your data for your classroom, I have a wait list. My courses are simply organized with Cassandra.com slash data made simple wait list. And so my course is really focused on data. I'm also going to give you some tips on different types of assessments that you can use to also um, put into your spreadsheets for your data. Nice. And I will leave a link to that waitlist in the description and show notes. Thank you. Well, thank you so much again for taking the time to share your expertise. And I'm excited to have this episode release. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. All right. Have a good day. Thanks. Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode. To find all the links and resources to things talked about in this episode, head on over to MissKuypersClassroom.com and click on podcast.